0: IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast.
1: This episode is presented in partnership with WSIA. Demand is on the rise for specialty coverage and solutions for those difficult to place risks. Long meeting these demands, the wholesale distribution system is an essential resource for retail agents as well as insureds. To explore this dynamic, as well as the current industry trends and opportunities, IB Talk is joined by WSIA President Davis Moore, immediate past president and president of Markel Specialty Brian Sanders, and executive director Brady Kelly.
0: Hello, and welcome to IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Senior Editor at Insurance Business, and we've got a very exciting episode lined up for you today, all about the wholesale, specialty, and surplus lines market. It's my pleasure to introduce three esteemed leaders from the Wholesale and Specialty Insurance Association, also known as the WSIA, who will share their thoughts on the state of the excess and surplus lines market and the value of the wholesale distribution system for retail agents and insureds. We have Davis Moore, President of WSIA and Vice Chairman Brokerage at Amwins, Brian Sanders, immediate past president of the WSIA and President of L Specialty, and Brady Kelly, WSIA's Executive Director. Davis, Brian, and Brady, welcome to IBA Talk.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank so you.
0: Same here. For our listeners who are perhaps unfamiliar with the WSIA, Brady, can you please explain a little bit about the association and what you do?
3: Happy to, and thanks for having us, Bethan. Uh, I'll start by saying WSAA is a professional membership association uh, designed to support the wholesale specialty and surplus line segment of the industry. Uh, We have nearly 700 member firms who rely on us for a, a number of things. We promote the market and the value of wholesale distribution. We protect and advocate for an effective regulatory and legislative environment. We're supporting the business and its development through networking events Uh, our largest of which is going to be held again in person, finally. Uh, We're excited about in person in November this year. Uh, We also develop professionals through education, professional training, and we develop talent for the industry through a number of college and university outreach programs that we support. In short, our segment exists to provide the innovative solutions for the most unique and or complex risks, that the standard insurance market either cannot or does not have the appetite to underwrite.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, Brady. So, so moving on to the state of the industry in the segment, what is the current financial outlook for the wholesale specialty and surplus lines industry? And how do the industry's key financial metrics look uh, at the moment? Davis, I'll come to you first with this one.
4: Great, thank you. Um, you know, I think the outlook is, is very bright. Um, After challenging years for our industry in 2017 and 2018, in 2019, our insurance carriers began taking corrective rate actions uh, that gained traction into 2020. And when you consider we experienced negative economic growth in 2020, and our industry was able to grow double digits despite the contraction in our economy, that that really shows you how resilient the surplus line market is. Um, That growth continued into this year, I saw a report from the 15 states with surplus line stamping offices that shows an increase of nearly 19% in premium over the prior year through May of this year. And as our economy continues to gain momentum, we expect that will provide tailwinds for premium growth well into 2022. Um, I do find it interesting that the surplus line insurers market share has more than doubled in the last 20 years, uh, now standing at Seven point eight percent of the total property and casualty direct written premiums, and surplus lines accounts for a little over sixteen percent of the commercial lines direct written premium currently, and I'd expect that percentage to increase in twenty twenty one.
0: Excellent, thank you, Davis. Brian, what are you seeing in the industry?
2: Sure, thanks, Bethan. I would just add from from the carrier perspective, and I suspect that this is consistent with, with, with other markets, that the submission pipeline uh, business that is coming in to us to, to evaluate and perhaps quote, is uh, incredibly robust right now. And, and we are significantly ahead of where we were last year at this time. And, and interestingly enough, it appears that the pace of those submissions over the last couple of months has actually increased. So I think that that's a really strong indicator of where the market is heading, where the ENS market is heading. I can tell you that the number of bind orders that we are receiving uh, off of uh, these submissions and ultimately the quotes has really been astounding. And there's a major increase from where we were last year at this time. So all of that points to Perhaps uh, pulling uh, out of the pandemic and really good news for for us uh, in segment. Um, the segment. The you know the, the, I guess the, the the final point that I would make in terms of financial outlook is that um, the rates that we are uh, achieving at this point uh, continue to stay ahead of the uh, of of the claims trend that's been going on over the last several years. So so we're staying ahead of it. And that's a really good thing for the industry on an overall basis.
0: Hmm. Certainly seems to be a very uh, exciting segment at the moment. I know Brady mentioned the WSIA annual marketplace. It always seems to be more and more buzz at that every year. And uh, I'm sure that everyone's looking forward to the one that's happening this year in person. Um, So, you know, if we look at the value of the wholesale distribution system um, what value and benefits does it bring to retail agents uh, davis what do you think about that
4: yeah you know, i would say we provide value through our expertise our specialization uh, we provide access to our markets um, and the relationships we have with those markets um, you know when, when a retail agent comes to us with a risk that they're unable to place directly with their direct markets. Uh, We're able to provide creative solutions for virtually all types of property and casualty risks. Um, And and perhaps as importantly, we're often often able to tailor coverage that's not otherwise available uh, to our customers in the standard market. I I like to say to our team members, that it's really never a question of whether or not we can provide a solution to our retail agents. It's, It's really just a matter of coverage. Uh, capacity in the market and, the, and what it will cost.
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, and Brady, what do you think about that?
2: Well, I think, I think Davis is right on. You know, I mentioned earlier,
3: uh, you know, our members, our wholesalers and underwriters are, are skilled in creating the solutions that uh, meet the needs of that buyer. And if, if the retail agent can't satisfy that need with the standard markets they have access to, uh, it's the wholesaler that can provide them with that unique and or complex solution uh, to, the, to the, what the insurance buyer needs. You know, so beyond that value, I would add that wholesale distribution is, is a cost-effective way uh, to get a solution for an insurance buyer. We have a, a Conning Insurance Research Division report uh, from back in 2016 that helps us demonstrate that. Um, you know, what Conning did back in that uh, report was simply compare the cost structures of a, a composite of insurers that predominantly leverage retail distribution to a composite of insurers that, that leverage the wholesale channel. And you know, when they did that, our hope was that we would be able to illustrate that leveraging a wholesaler uh, and the value they bring to the transaction does not significantly increase the cost of the transaction. And in fact, what Connie found was that the non loss cost ratio for the wholesale composite actually came in a little bit lower than retail, came in 100 basis points lower than retail. So point is, you know, there's there's very high value and no additional cost when leveraging a wholesaler. And now we have the research, research to support that and, and demonstrate that to the retail agents and
2: insurance buyers.
0: Mm-hmm. And Brian, do you have anything to add, perhaps from the carrier perspective?
2: Sure, thanks, Beth. And I, I, I do, and it, I would really build on on, on what Davis was saying the you know the wholesale community uh, really provides that expertise that we need and from our perspective uh, they are so skilled at being able to manage capacity from multiple sources to build a solution for their retail trading partner and ultimately the insured um, uh, it, it would really be a significantly difficult task to to put together all the various capacity that's available to build that solution without a wholesaler involved. Then I guess the other side of it that I would say is that uh, the, the wholesalers that we work with are expert as well in aggregation. And if you think about us, uh, a small Main Street or SME business and the number of those firms that are out there we access uh, the, the ability to write insurance uh, for them uh, through our wholesale trading partners. And so it's just, uh, uh, you know, it, it's vital to what we do as a specialty insurance carrier.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, you know, we're talking today after about, you know, 12 to 18 months of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Feels like a long time. Um why do you think the wholesale specialty and surplus lines industry has fared well through the pandemic? Davis, what do you think?
4: Well, I believe there, there are a few, few reasons. Uh, first and foremost, our marketplace was well capitalized going into the pandemic. Um, secondly, technology enabled us to pivot literally in a day from working in an office to working remotely. I still look back and think it was an amazing transition, and we should be thankful that we work in an industry where we can operate efficiently while working remotely, unlike a lot of other industries. Um, As I mentioned earlier, the property and casualty industry has been challenged with adverse results in prior years, stemming from loss trends, social inflation, nuclear verdicts, increased frequency and severity of weather events, just, just to name a few examples. Um, and this this has created dislocation in the market. Um, the surplus line industry has historically fared well during market cycles when we've had dislocation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brian, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree with with Davis. I would just say that the experience that we've had uh, in the surplus market, in dealing with the challenging circumstances, like like Brady has said, and our ability to respond or rally uh, during a calamity or a catastrophe, we're all experienced in that. And when the pandemic hit us, I think we just went to those to that natural skill set that we have. Uh, we view ourselves as problem solvers. Uh, and and really you know have a pretty tight community uh relative to our relationships and our desire to rally to provide those solutions and so i think that it that you know it, that really soars to the top uh to me as to how we were able to respond so quickly and fair through uh certainly the early early part and throughout the pandemic
0: yeah i mean you say tight community that that all comes back to the idea that you know, insurance really is a relationship business. Um, so, Davis, you know, what factors would you say create good partnerships with retail agents? Uh, and what do wholesalers need from uh, and look for from their retail agent partners? It's
4: a good question. You know, as a wholesale broker, I'd like to just first say that we strive to be an extension of our retail customers team. And what we hear from our customers is that. We want our calls returned and service matters. Um, equally important is that our customers want specialists handling, handling their business to the points that we've raised earlier. Uh, it's, it's very difficult in today's market to be a generalist or a jack of all trades. So specialization allows us to provide greater value to our, our customers um, and in turn to their insurers. You know, As far as what we need from our retail agents, In a challenging market that we're currently experiencing, you know, quality submissions matter a lot. Communication matters a lot. Uh, Those retail agents who put the effort into providing quality underwriting information will, I guarantee, will reap the rewards at better terms from our our underwriters. Um, You know, I just also say we see ourselves as trusted advisors to our retail agents, not only by helping them at the transaction level, but also being proactive and keeping our customers up to date about market trends, um, where the market is going, not just where it's been, um, which hopefully prepares them for what they can expect from our market in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Brian, perhaps you can give us some perspective on that from uh, from the carrier perspective. Um, you know, what what are some of the most important factors uh, of the retailer wholesale partnership that you know you're you're looking for?
2: Yeah, our best relationships are those that our priorities are aligned. So, so when we can sit down and talk about those priorities uh, and 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 establish what they are going in. So things like making always making sure that we have relevant products in the marketplace. Uh, we get that information from them. From our trading partners, our wholesale trading partners, making sure that we're pricing that accordingly, uh, we get that um, it, it's our it, it's our pricing, but we get feedback on what terms and conditions look like in the marketplace through our wholesale trading partners. Uh, our ability to provide uh, risk management services, loss control services uh, through the wholesale broker, and ultimately to their retail trading partner and the insured. Uh, When those priorities align, we we really do success. We're really successful, and the relationship is terrific. And 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 truthfully, uh, how we handle claims—that's really where the rubber meets the road, in our eyes. And the expediency and fairness in which we that which we pay those claims. Everybody in the value chain uh, benefits uh, when the market is responsive that way, and so when we can kind of ring the bell in all those areas, we know that we have a really rock-solid relationship, Beth. Bethan.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, now I find the ENS marketplace exciting because, you know, it, it finds solutions for hard-to-face risks and, you know, out-of-the-box problems. Um, so, you know, Davis, how is the ENS marketplace evolving? Um, and what segments would you say are sort of driving growth in the market right now?
4: Well, I would start by saying, just keep in mind that 2020 was, I think, the fifth or sixth costliest year for natural disasters, um, with a record number of named storms making landfall. And it remains to be seen what impact COVID will ultimately have. So uh, our markets continue to look for adequate rates, um, which is creating continued growth, um, along with the economic uh, factors that are contributing to growth. Um, We're seeing growth in in most lines, um, cap property, excess liability, directors and officers liability. Um, While those lines continue to see growth, uh, there is an emerging issue with cyber liability, which everyone has seen in the the media. Um, it's, It's widespread, it's real and specifically ransomware claims, um, which is significantly limiting capacity and driving up rates for, for that line of business. Uh, with capacity being constrained, we're seeing, we are seeing some new cap- capacity being deployed in the market. There are a handful of new markets, but certainly not enough new capacity to reverse the trends that we are currently experiencing.
0: Mm-hmm. And Brian, where are you seeing some, uh, some growth in the marketplace?
2: Well, we're, we're certainly seeing it in all the areas that Davis mentioned. Uh, we, we, we are intrigued in uh, with the insured tech space and, and have been following it and participating, uh, in the insured tech space for the, the last handful of years, it'll be interesting for us to see where all that goes. We certainly as a company have opportunities. That, that have come our way we have uh, a, a group of underwriters that specialize in insure tech opportunities. Uh, I think early on what we saw was uh, a, a significant capital coming in through Insure tech uh, trying to do it on their own. Uh, some may or may not have been successful, but what we've seen lately is the idea that uh, that insure tech, capability wants to partner with capital. And so that's something that is, um, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily driving growth, Bethan, but it's certainly uh, something that that we're paying attention to and is having some impact uh, for us. And and I guess I would equally throw out there, uh, maybe not a, a, a growth driver, but certainly a factor in the marketplace is what we've seen relative to consolidation. In, in the market and in the wholesale community specifically, uh, we've we've seen uh, we've seen that over a period of time. We've seen certainly seen that increase here recently. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, in our firm, uh, d- despite all the consolidation, and while it's true we may be doing business with fewer firms, we actually feel like we're doing business with more individuals than we've ever done before, done business with before. And, and I think that some of that is, uh, from what, uh, some of the larger firms provide and the market access they provide, uh, certainly at the association level, uh, uh, we've, we've seen that happen over the last couple of years, certainly not last year, but in 2019, we had our largest year ever. We're anticipating very large attendance at our marketplace in November this year. Uh, and so uh, also at the association level, when we think of um, uh, what happens when consolidation exists in a marketplace, well, you know what? The entrepreneurial spirit uh, per- it, uh, pervades and we end up uh, getting some spinoff. And so we've seen new uh, wholesaler startups as a result of some of the consolidation and, and it's just a really interesting time in our business, um, given everything that we've gone through last year, uh, given where the economy is right now as we come out of the pandemic. I think there are just trem- tremendous opportunities for growth really everywhere you look.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, certainly sounds like an exciting market to, uh, to be a part of at the moment. Um, so, you know, I'd like to round out this conversation uh, with another sort of very important theme from within the insurance industry today and that's sort of looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so you know Brady, I'll come to you with this. How have you seen the ENS segment drive meaningful progress in areas of DENI culture for the industry? And you know, why does this matter from a broader perspective for agents and insurance?
3: Uh, I appreciate that question, Bethan. Um, you know, the WSA board identified talent and DI as a key strategic initiative for the association back in mid 2019. Um, and so while it was already a priority, you know, certainly the events of 2020 made it an even higher priority uh, for our association and, and our segment of the industry. So as a, as a result of that, the WSA board agreed to form uh, what we're now calling the WSA Diversity Foundation. Uh, We incorporated that in October of last year, and since that time, you know, the Foundation's Board of Directors, uh, which is led by Carlton Manor, uh, CEO and Global Property Practice Leader in the U.S. Division of Access, uh, that board, uh, under his leadership, has been very focused uh, and, I think, very proactive in their approach to um, strategies, ways to enhance the diversity of our segment, and and promote equity and inclusion in our business. now, we've already said it, it it's it, an exciting industry to be part of, uh, but this initiative is an exciting one to be part of. I I sincerely believe their work uh, will absolutely drive the meaningful progress that we're talking about, and it's really inspiring to be part of it, uh, really inspiring to see our members and, and our industry come together to support that work.
0: Mm-hmm. And just, just building on that, you know, from the perspective of maybe retail agents and then the end insureds, why is having that sort of um, diverse and inclusive culture important within the ins industry?
3: Well, it's certainly important because the insurance buyers, the customers that we're serving, are, are diverse uh, customers, um, and you know when you get diversity of thought, uh, diversity of experience, all of those things lead to better solutions for those clients. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, Davis, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sure you've, you've seen that within WSAA and, and now Amwin's, um, you know, what what do you think about it?
4: There I agree go. with uh, all of Brady's comments. It, it's great to see the progress that we've made as an association and, and the opportunities, frankly, that will come from our diversity foundation. Um, I think it's created greater connectivity with universities um, who are, thinking about this and doing something about it. Um, the communication channels are open, and I, I think there's gonna be some tremendous opportunities uh, from there. And as Brady alluded to, not only are we seeing the progress made in our association, but we're also seeing significant progress in our, in our member companies, and, and including Amway. So very exciting time for this.
0: Excellent, thank you. And Brian, any final, uh, final thoughts to add?
2: Sure. Uh, relative to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I can say that this has been a part of Markel's culture for as long as anybody at the company now can remember. And As a matter of fact, it's expressed in our uh, vision or value statement. We call that the Markel style. And uh, it, it's throughout the Markel style. And, and so we feel like we live that every day. But recently, what we've done is really doubled down on, on that effort. Uh, and so we have uh, uh, hired uh, an experienced diversity and inclusion officer. And, and as a result, we have um, just w- we've launched uh, many different initiatives, different platforms. We've put forth um, a, a scholarship, Uh, multiple scholarships, uh, all the support, uh, what we think is critical uh, to diversity and inclusion thinking.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that. I mean, there's so much going on and um, a lot of progress being made, but obviously always still more work to be done. But it sounds like you are doing a lot within the WSA, which is great. Um, I think that is a perfect place to end our discussion today. So, Davis, Brian, Brady, thank you very much for joining us on IBA Talk and sharing your insights.
3: Thanks for having us, Bethan. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you, Bethan.
0: Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in. I'm Bethan morecraft Senior Editor at Insurance Business. Please remember to keep out an eye out for our upcoming podcasts, webinars, and IBA TV episodes. We've got lots of exciting content coming away. Thanks, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk. For more from the experts at WSIA, visit them at wsia.org. That's wsia.org for more. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.